Welcome to Humans of Twitter, a podcast where we discover the stories behind the people behind the Twitter accounts. People that are interesting, opinionated, and surprising. I'm your host, Steve Malk, and today I'm speaking with someone who describes themselves as there's a beleaguered, panicky sanity about him, the Australian. Author, hashtag creating cities, presenter, hashtag bespoke ABC, founder, hashtag renew Newcastle, plus at renew Australia. Humans of Twitter is their stories in their words, in a little more than 140 characters. Please welcome today's edition to the Humans of Twitter list, Marcus Westbury. Hello. Marcus, hello. In social settings, how do you introduce yourself? Um, Awkwardly, is the short (laughs) answer. Um, (laughs) I get get stuck for, uh, what what do you do? I like have a meltdown when people go, what do you do? You know, and I have to answer that, or when I have to fill out that that form on the way into or out of a country. What do you do for a living? Um, but uh, yeah, I'm Marcus and I do stuff. That's okay. What did you train to do? I um, I got kicked out of university a couple of times. Um, I, I studied a communication degree before being banned for life from it at the University of Newcastle. Great. And then I... Um, I did a little bit of undergraduate arts before giving up on that too. So um, actually, I don't have any kind of qualifications of any use at all. How does one get banned for life from a university degree? Oh, well, that's, that's a complicated story. The, 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 um, the technical reason is that I failed a subject twice, but the more complicated reason is that the second time I failed the subject... Um, I the first time I completely failed it because I was hopeless and and just useless. But the second time I failed mm. it, I failed it because I didn't turn up at my uh, requisite number of tutorials. Partially because I'd done it the year before, and then I had to go and talk to the head of the department, who happened to be someone who I'd written a lot of critical articles about in the student paper, and plead my case for why I should be allowed to stay <laughs> in the course, having failed a subject twice. And um, oddly enough, he said um, no you can't and uh, sent me on my way. So uh, that was in the early 1990s at the University of Newcastle. And um, I have somewhat regretted it ever since. Wow. Is the person that you wrote those articles about still in the same position? No, no, no. They've completely moved on. As a matter of fact, actually, bizarrely, um, next week or the week after that, I'm giving the graduation address to a whole bunch of people at the University of Newcastle. And one of the rather awkward facts is how we address the fact that the university threw me out. (laughs) So great. Yeah. There's been, the the reason it's at the forefront of my mind is there's been a few emails go back and forth this week about like, um, so how are we going to, how are we going to describe that when we um, introduce you? I'm like, well, this is what happened. Um, And I'm not there and I don't have a degree. How do you describe your experience of family? Of family? Um, yes. Ah, oh, that's complicated. So uh, right now it's great. Like I have, uh, I have two young kids. I have a, a, a one-year-old and a five-year-old, and um, it's the best thing that ever happened to me. Mm. Uh, in my more formative years, I had a very complicated relationship with my very complicated parents, and uh, I tend not to describe it if I can get away with it. Understandably, uh, the the impact of the relationship with your complicated parents. How are you altering that in the way that you're now parenting your kids? Um, uh, I'm not insanely self destructive, which helps. I think um, 
I'm not, uh, I, I don't have an uncontrollable addiction, which also helps. Um, mm-hmm. I have controllable addictions, but that's all right. Um, I, no, I don't know. I think um, it's, uh, I don't know where to start. It's, it's kind of odd being dad. It's a really weird sense mm-hmm. of responsibility that I'd never, I don't know, like I'm now in my, I guess I'm in my early, early 40s. I think through all of my 20s, I never wanted to be a parent. It just seemed like way too much crushing responsibility and not something I could ever handle. And then um, at some point in my early to mid 30s, I went, oh, yeah, I guess I could do this. And then now I'm dad. And it's kind of weird because I, I feel like a fraud at being a grown up, you know, and every time like my five-year-old looks up to me and thinks, you know, there's a guy who his dad and knows what's going on. I feel like I, you know, at some point the whole facade will unravel and he'll realize <laughs> that, it, you know, that the dad is me. What will you say to your five-year-old when they finally catch you out for what you think is being a fraud? Um, I'm hoping that it, it won't work entirely like that. I think I'm, think I'm pretty honest with my kids. I, I, mm. I, I don't really know. I, I, like, I, I don't know because I haven't done it yet. Like I, you go through that thing apparently where, you know, like they before they're teenagers, they think you're great and then they become teenagers and they don't <laughs> um, respect you or like you or think you're someone worthy of talking to anymore. And then they come out the other side at some point, depending on how long it takes, and then you reconcile all of that, which is how I presume it's all going to work. Um, I don't know exactly how it's going to happen at each stage in that process, but, um, you know, uh, I'm not kidding my kids. I think they, you know, uh, they kind of know I am what I am and I'm not what I'm not. Uh, it just will take them a while to, to, you know, calibrate that. You mentioned before your controllable addictions. Yeah. What are they? Oh, um... Wow, this is going. This is going. Yeah, it's intense. Um, I ah, uh, can I skip that question? Sure. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I just uh, you know, I probably drink too much. I always joke that you know, like like the project, the Renew Newcastle project I started in Newcastle was because I was trying to start a bar, and the reason I was trying to start a bar was because I was an alcoholic, um, which is not entirely untrue. <laughs> Although it's, it's, you know, it's a, a somewhat uh, simplified version of events. But, um, yeah, I, uh, you know, I try to keep a balance between reality and dulling the pain of being alive. What is the story behind Renew Newcastle? Ah, okay. Well, that's good. That's easier. Um yeah, uh, started in 2008. So I was, uh, I went back to Newcastle with the actual plan of starting a bar. I live in Melbourne now and I do other stuff. And then I went, I went to Newcastle and I was going to start a bar. It's just after they changed liquor licensing laws in New South Wales and they introduced the small bar category. Mm. And my, um, my plan was to find a little shop front or a, you know, cute little spot and open a little lo-fi sort of hole in the wall bar like you get a lot of in Melbourne. And the weirdest thing was that there's 150 empty buildings in the two main streets of Newcastle, but none of the real estate agents returned my phone call. And I was wow. like, this is weird. Like this, what, what is wrong? And 
I, I posted about, I had a blog, I posted about it in my blog at the time and all these other people came back to me and they said, yeah, something weirdly similar happened to me. Like I wanted to start a gallery or I wanted to start a shop or I wanted to start a space and I couldn't get anyone to take me seriously. And I, I got really curious about that problem. So I started to unpack it. Like, you know, why are all these places sitting empty? What's going on? And that led to the establishment of a not-for-profit company called Renew Newcastle. And what Renew Newcastle does is that we borrow empty buildings from their owners to lend them to creative and community projects to start stuff. And we've done that. Um, uh, We're up to, we just launched our 200th project last week in the 76th, I think, property that we've opened in Newcastle in the last um, uh, whatever it is, seven years. So it's basically a means of um, bringing life back to the city, but also helping people who are creative start stuff and do stuff that they are passionate about, you know, and um, it's made a huge difference. Like uh, if you, you know, you look at Newcastle now and then, I love nothing I love more than showing before and after photos, but, you know, it was mm-hmm. it was all for lease signs and boarded up buildings. And today it's actually got all this really good stuff happening. And I think we played a big part in seeding that. What experience has led you to be in a position where now you've really become an authority in redeveloping or or reinvigorating these, you know, CBD communities beyond the Renew Newcastle project? Was that just something that spawned and you've become the, the front runner lead man on this? Yeah, I think, I mean, it's, it's mostly trial and error. Like, I'm, you know, like I, I, I joke that I, you know, like, tried everything you possibly try and made every mistake you can possibly make, but I don't repeat them, you know? So like, mm. as long as I don't repeat my mistakes, I get good at stuff. And um, all this Renew stuff has come out of this, like I used to do festivals and events. I started various festivals. I used to run various festivals. And I, you know, through a lot of that, I, I, I learned a lot about how you put things on and organize spaces and get people to do stuff which fed into the creation of renew which has in turn spun off all these crazy projects so not just you know renew newcastle but renew in you know not just cities in australia but cities around the world and it's been a really bizarre set of circumstances because i don't feel like i'm doing anything more than just playing in the space that i kind of know but it's somehow become a template for a whole bunch of other communities you know what helped you develop your sense of community? Newcastle, in a word. Um, I, I grew up in Newcastle in the mid nineties. My, my formative years were the mid nineties. Like I, I mm. and you know, sort of when I left school, and and it was a place where there was forty something percent youth unemployment. Like I didn't know anyone with a job. Like like literally, like in those statistics, like they don't count anyone who's studying. So forty percent of people were unemployed and the other 60% were probably studying. Like, you know, people my age didn't have jobs. And I think we had, there was a real sense of um, camaraderie and community or something. I don't know. Like, you know, a whole bunch of things happened in Newcastle that were pretty bad around that time. And, um, uh, you know, me and my friends got together to do stuff and create stuff and make things happen. And some of those things are still, like still exist to these to this day, like their you know community organisations, their festivals, their events. Um, but I got a real sense of purpose out of that. Like I, I think, you know, if I if I'd had that really basic experience of you know 
A, finishing my degree and not getting kicked out. <laughs> B, going and applying for a job and getting it. Uh, then I would have skipped all the good bits. You know, the good bits were like the, you know, bizarrely, the the two or three years of being long-term unemployed, wandering the streets of the city and making my or our own fun with a whole bunch of other people. And bizarrely, that experience turned into being the one that's um, become my job and all my life now. That must be so rewarding. I don't – yeah, probably. I mean, I, I, it is. I mean, it, it's not – every now and then I have these little moments where I catch myself and just think, wow, this all of this stuff has happened. And if, if I hadn't been here or we hadn't been here, all these things wouldn't have happened. And you do get a real sense of pride or something from that. Like it's it, – you know, that's a good thing. But at the same time, you know – a lot of it's very mundane and actually quite boring. It's, you know, like it's, it's, um, yeah, but it, yeah, it's, it's kind of cool. Like, it's funny. I was, I was back in Newcastle the other week and, mm. um, there was stories in the paper and things on the radio and I managed to track like three or four stories back to like things that were in the paper or things that people were talking about back to things that I had started or been involved in starting. Like, you know, like, and it was like, there's a there's a sense of having been part of actually shaping what that place is, and I live in Melbourne now, and I love Melbourne. I think Melbourne's awesome, and I and in some ways I really actually enjoy the the anonymity, you know, that you get from being in Melbourne as opposed to the the attention I get when I'm in Newcastle. But it's also um, there's there, I, I I will never have a sense in my life that through my actions I can change Melbourne. But I actually look at Newcastle and go, actually, there's a whole bunch of stuff here that is like increasingly defining this place. And I was part of making that happen. And I guess that is rewarding. And particularly when you see people come up to you and say, I started this thing or I started this business or the reason I'm doing this is because that that project you started or that space you mm. created is actually the thing that set me off, you know? And I, yeah, that, yeah, that's rewarding. It's amazing. What challenges you? Um, finding paid employment, um, <laughs> getting relaxation from my two screaming children on the weekend or at times when I don't want to deal with them. Um, uh, you know, the, the usual, um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I find, I mean, actually, to be honest, I find a lot of things challenging. The questions are really not so much what I find challenging. It's just like, what I choose to persist with that I find challenging and what I choose to give up on that I find challenging. Um, I actually find a lot of things to be really quite hard, but um, mm. some of them I do anyway, you know. For you, what's a source of strength? Um, my family, my, my wife and my kids, I guess. Um, Narinda, she's awesome. Um, a sense of... I, I'm not, I don't know if I'm strong. I'm quite resilient. Like I don't, um, strength kind of implies, you know, like like I, I, I'm not the guy who's going to go in and lay the punch. I'm the guy who's going to get up again every time he gets punched, you know. Mm. Um, that's me. And I, I like, I, I sort of pride myself on, uh, sometimes that becomes quite counterproductive to be perfectly honest. But, you know, like I, I, I don't have so much strength as resilience. So I just, I'm just good at not giving up, 
you know. Uh, or even if I give up, I'm good at coming back later after I've given up and starting again, you know. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, the, the other thing is that most of the stuff I do is actually really quite collaborative. So I work a lot with other people and uh, they are better than me at a lot of stuff. And so being able to draw on their strength or encouragement or enthusiasm or whatever that is actually at times props me up. So, you know, like it's, it's a kind of, it's a nice, it's a nice system in a way, really. I, I spend a lot of time setting up things that at times help other people start stuff, but at times they return the favor, which is really good. What can't you tolerate? Oh, what can't I, I'm actually a pretty tolerant person. I reckon I can tolerate most things. Um, I, t- I tend not to get, I, I actually get, I get, I, I'm, I'm funny because I'm not someone who gets outraged by big things. I get outraged by really little things like um, mm-hmm. gratuitously faffing around. Like I, I can't stand that. Like I can't stand people who like just faff and don't actually do the thing. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like I can deal with, you know, like I can sort of, at least empathise with people that are destroying the planet, but I can't empathise with people that are faffing around. I don't know why that is, but uh, it's me. It must be horrible if they're faffing around trying to free the planet. Yeah, that's 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 bad. Yeah, that's true. What's your favourite TV show of the moment? Uh, my t- favourite TV show of the moment? I'm just trying to think. I, I, I've been um, – well, obviously I've been watching my own show a lot and not watched mm. a lot else, but um, – <laughs> It's kind of funny because I'm also like I'm, I guess I'm in that sort of catch up TV mode. Like the last thing I went on yeah. binge and watched, um, actually, to be honest, I've not watched a lot of TV in the last month because I've been really busy. But the last thing I went on a binge and watch was Daredevil on Netflix, and before that, uh, oh, I, I actually, I actually had it. I, I, I'm the last person in the world to watch Breaking Bad, so I finally caught <laughs> up with that. Uh, I actually, I actually got like sent to bed for a week, and it was awesome. Like I was sick, and um, basically managed to, you know, down the first four seasons of Breaking Bad while, you know, pleading that I, yeah, couldn't stand up, and you know that was good. Um, what else do I watch? Um, I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a religious TV watcher. I tend to, I tend to kind of, yeah, I, I, I binge on things, but not necessarily when everyone else is. I kind of catch up on them later. What did you make of Breaking Bad? Oh, I thought it was great. I, I, it's, it, um, uh, you know, it, it sucked me in. It, uh, and I, I watch. I've also sort of caught half of Better Call Saul before I got preoccupied with that as well. But uh, preoccupied from that. Sorry, I, like life intervened, and I haven't caught the the second half of that. But um, uh, yeah, no, I loved it. I, I, you know, it sucked me in. I mean, I, I didn't love it. I, I, I don't know. It's kind of, I, I, it's the danger of high expectations too. Like it's like, I, I, mean, I really, yes. really, really enjoyed it. But then again, I've heard everyone rave about it forever. So it's like, you know, the bar was set somewhere sort of over the moon. Like, uh, whereas like my, my other, you know, favorite binge television series of all time was The Wire. But when I started watching it, no one else had ever told me to watch it. Uh, and, and so it just like crept up on me and I just thought it was absolutely awesome. Um, yes. uh, and, also really weird because I started watching The Wire in a camper van in New Zealand. Uh, my I downloaded the first series and then um, 
went on a camper van holiday around New Zealand. So somewhere in my mind, I permanently connect <laughs> the scenic landscapes of New Zealand with the gritty streets of Baltimore. Like they're somehow wow. weirdly intertwined. Like, you know, we spent a lot of, we spent, my, my wife and I, before we had the kids, we spent a lot of like nights sitting in the back of a, like a camper van in New Zealand, like watching <laughs> The Wire on my shitty laptop and like looking out the window and look at these amazing Lord of the Rings landscapes and then just going, yeah, but you know. What's McNulty saying, you know? <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, it's a weird association, but I will never not be able to disentangle Baltimore from, you know, New Zealand. Do you think that feeling that you got from discovering the wire yourself is similar to the kind of feeling that you get in discovering these opportunities when you're working with Renew? Not really. I mean, I, like, I don't know. I, I think... Um, I mean, I, 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 go to, I go to TV for two reasons. I go, I go to TV because I'm trying to keep up with what's going on or I go to TV because I'm trying to escape what's going on, you know. And, mm. um, like, you know, like, I, you know, I'm, I'm a news junkie. Like I, and, you know, this is a humans of Twitter thing. I think a lot of my tweeting is me sitting in front of the news and just going, ah, you know. Um, and people tend to respond to that in one way or the other. But, I, you know, I, like whenever there's a significant event on, like, you know, it's just that back channel of taking the, piss out of it is kind of you know it's just like i can't process this i have to like go and rant about it but in a engaged way with lots of other people which is what i use twitter for a lot um and and so i I don't know it's not that sense of um uh, no it's 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 a much more nuanced thing i think what i'm what i'm doing you know renew stuff or helping someone start a project than when i'm watching a tv show but i enjoy I do enjoy that sense of discovery I, I always enjoy the sense of the unexpected and in some ways it gets harder I think I think we live in a world where like serendipity is kind of being programmed out you know like it sort of gets harder and harder to discover something you didn't mm. expect to find what's the hardest truth you've had to deliver oh I don't do that I skirt them I don't I, I'm not a um hardest truth I'm not a confrontational person so as a general rule if there's a hard truth to deliver i'm going to run a thousand miles from it like i i I, i'm i'm a nudger like i'm someone who's not actually inclined to start an argument or or tell someone that i don't like what they're doing i'm someone who's like just gently sort of tapping them and then aggressively chapping them and then tapping them a bit more and if that doesn't work I kind of walk away and go well I'm going to give up on that so I don't I don't really I don't do delivery of hard truths um uh now I haven't had I haven't had to tell the kids yet that Santa Claus and the Tooth Fairy don't exist that'll be that'll be awkward um Mm. beyond that uh not so much it's not really my my gig what do you do really well um, oh, my super, I have a, I actually have a superpower. My secret superpower is working out the least amount of effort that it takes to fulfill a task. Um, <laughs> I, I, like, I, I actually, this has actually been like, the more I think about it, like, like I suddenly, like, you know, as I've got older, I was like, what's, what, how have you managed, people come to me and they go, how have you managed to do so much stuff in your life? It's like, because I'm really lazy and really efficient, like, um, and so I'm actually really, really good at working out some, and, and like, like genuinely, this is actually like part of the logic behind things like Renew Newcastle. It's like, how do I turn this into a thing that's going to take the least amount of effort for lots of people to do lots of stuff? 
um, which is exactly the same principle I apply to my own life. Like I'm actually, uh, yeah, I was going to say, I was about to say lazy is too harsh a word, but actually it's not. I'm actually really lazy. And I, I, I like the thing I begrudge most in the world is like having to put in more effort than the task requires. Like, you know, I said before about the faffing about thing, you know, how that pisses me yes. off. Like it, it's actually because like, that's just like gratuitously getting in the way of between here and there. I just want to get to there and then I want to sit down and like drink some beer and not talk to anyone for a while and not have to deal with it. And then I'll get up again and go to the next there and that would be awesome. What I don't want to do is um, uh, gratuitously spend a lot of time on the process. Like I just want to get the thing done. And I, yeah, I actually, I genuinely think maybe my, like it's the world's lamest superhero power, but my superhero power is that I am awesomely good at figuring out the laziest way to do anything. <laughs> That's great. What would your ideal job be then? Um, my ideal job would be a lazy, a lazy job where I, I can like turn up and get paid for figuring out ways of doing things awesomely easily. Like you know that would be great. Like I haven't seen that job description anywhere. I, I, I to be honest, I'm. I have a I have a pretty short attention span, so the question of like what is my ideal job in some ways is the wrong question. Like it sort of implies that there's a thing that I want to go and do and keep doing. And the reality of my mm. life is that I've twist and turned and, um, you know, I've done, I've done that for a while and then twisted back to doing this other thing and then done, you know, like I, I go all over the place and um, it's, um, I don't really want a job. Like I don't actually have a job. I've never, I've never had a job that didn't have a finishing date. Like I've never, never had a job. Like I don't, I actually, it's kind of weird, but I like, like basically everything I've ever worked on, I either started it myself or it was a contract that ended. I knew when it was going to end. And, and I guess, you know, I'd probably go back to my teenage years. I probably you know, I worked in a service station once and I guess I did have that job until they sacked me once, but it was, you know, like basically I haven't, I don't want a job. I want a project. And my life has been a whole series of projects that I've either uh, sought out or I've been, I've created or I've been invited into doing and I've thought they were a good thing to do. And that's, that's kind of how I put my life together. It's from project to project, not from job to job. That's also why I don't get paid a lot because <laughs> I'd rather do the project than get the job. You know, it's like I, I've literally, you know, there've been times it's like someone offers me a job. It's really you know, on paper, it's great. They're going to pay me lots of money to do a thing. But I look at it and go, but there's no project. There's no actual thing that I would produce in that job. And I'm like, oh, I don't want that. I'd rather go and do the unpaid thing that actually at the end of it, I can turn around and go, see, see what we did. It's good. What are you going to achieve in the next 12 months? Um, I don't, I genuinely, the next 12 months are really weird for me. I've actually just finished two really long-term projects, which is a book and a TV series, both of which, well, the TV series has taken a bit under two years. The book took two and a half years from when I decided I was going to do it to when it came out. And so um, they've kind of clogged up the works for a bit. Like they've, they've basically been like getting them finished has preoccupied me from doing other things. And right now, like the book and the TV series both are coming or have come out this month. And then um, 
I'm finishing the project of getting them out into the world. And then at some point I wake up and I don't have a job and I'm just like, I don't know what I'm going to do. But presumably having a book and a TV series is a good place from which to not have a job as opposed to, you know, being in Newcastle and being kicked out of a university course. So I'm probably going to be okay, but I, I don't actually know where it's going to lead. And in some ways, apart from the fact it gets a bit scarier as you've got kids and you get a bit older, I don't mind that. Like the, the best bits of my life has been, have tended to be when I didn't know what was going to happen next and I've had to make it up. And I think I'm about to go into one of those phases again. That's great. Marcus, look, thank you so much for sharing that stuff with us today. Please know that you're highly valued and I really appreciate what you've said today. Thanks very much. No, thanks for having me. It's really good. Obviously, you're on Twitter. What other social media accounts do you want to admit to? Uh, I don't have any secret ones. Uh, I, I am Unsung Songs on Twitter and I am myself on Facebook. I just topped out the, you can follow me now. You can't be my friend anymore because I have more friends than you're allowed to have apparently. I just hit the 5,000 mark, whatever it is. Um, mm. uh, I think I'm on Google Plus, but I've never used it. Um, beyond that, uh, no, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, mainly Twitter is probably the place to – and right now, can I just apologise to anyone who's following me on Twitter right now because I am gratuitously spruiking my book and my TV series relentlessly and then I will go back to just being uh, um, a cynical, opinionated dork again after all that dies down. I can endorse the TV series. It is very good. I haven't had a chance to see the book yet, but I'm loving Bespoke. Great. That's really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's good. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed making it. It's been fun. It looks great. This has been Humans of Twitter, and I can confirm that at Unsung Songs is indeed human.